Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. We are celebrating 62 years ago tonight, President Eisenhower, the last real Republican president, gave his farewell address, the last Republican president to balance a budget, the last Republican president to actually have a surplus, the last Republican president to actually devote a lot of uh, money to non-millionaires, and Nixon somewhat too. But it was on this night, 62 years ago, brothers and sisters, that Eisenhower warned against the rise of the military-industrial complex. And that may have been the last time a Republican president was ever that honest with us. We're so glad you're with us. We're at 866-997-4748. Big news, Thea Harper is back. Our wonderful associate producer had a very well-deserved break away from me and Chris and uh, had a great birthday because she was far away from here. We are thrilled to have her back. Chris Hauselt is our executive producer running this thing from down South Carolina way. Next week, we're going to be doing the show live from Hollywood. I'll be out in the West Coast, and so uh, we'll be doing the show out on the West Coast. Maybe even they'll let me in the SiriusXM studios. This coming Saturday night, however, if you're in New York City, if you're in the Hudson Valley area, come on down to the Phillipstown Depot Theater in Garrison, New York. I know it's Phillipstown and Garrison. I don't explain it. I don't understand it. But I was asked by the people who run this theater to come do a show, and we're tuning up a nice little hour-plus new show that I hope you guys can come on out Saturday evening at 7 p.m. Uh, you can go to my website or my Facebook to get all the information for that. And then for the next three hours, we have a great show. Jared Yates Sexton, one of our favorite authors, is with us tonight. You might have seen him, well, all over the TV today. His book just came out this morning. He was just on Joy Reid a few minutes ago. His book is The Midnight Kingdom, A History of Power, Paranoia, and the Coming Crisis. And boy, I have seldom in my life read a book that connects all the dots from the fall of the Roman Empire directly to... January 6th, all the modern day incendiaries who are clinging to myths about Western civilization, the Trumps, the Elon Musks. And it's a book that shows how political power and religious indoctrination and economic dominance have just been weaponized all throughout human history to oppress people and to exploit people. It's a really, really heavy book. If you saw him on Joy, you know it's heavy stuff. We're glad he's with us. The Rude Pundit, Lee Papa will be with us later in the show, as will Dr. Tracy Pearson. But as always, our most important guest is you. Hope you had a good time with Sybil Shepard on Friday night. Boy, that was a good interview. Let's do a show, shall we? Let's get to it. Um, so we're recording this the day after Martin Luther King Day. And I want to quote Reverend William Barber of the Poor People's Campaign, who said that Martin Luther King said to us, 
that we must address fully systemic racism, systemic poverty, ecological devastation, and militarism. It's dishonoring of the memory of King not to raise that full critique, no matter how unnerving, unsettling, or uncomfortable it is. And I say this because if you're like me, the, the, the Martin Luther King holiday now has this bit of a, a dark lining around it, which is right-wing people misappropriating King's message, taking one line from one speech, and hating everything else he does. Now look, we all know the modern Republican Party. They love quoting one or two lines of Martin Luther King while opposing and legislating against the majority of what he actually stood for. Right. You know, you know, like they do with Jesus. They talk about the guy can't stand what he actually talked about. And they love to quote that one line from I have a dream speech about content of character. And they love to quote it generally while they're attacking civil rights programs, while they're attacking anything to level the playing field. Ron DeSantis quoted it when he was proposing his Stop Woke Act, which is literally designed to keep people from talking about slavery and racism in public schools too much. Kevin McCarthy, he tweeted uh, last year, critical race theory goes against everything Martin Luther King taught us to not judge others by the color of their skin. These men are amoral liars, right? We could talk about this. Kevin McCarthy knows damn well the people who elected him don't give a rat's ass about what Martin Luther King really stood for. And they lie. They don't know what King stood for any more than they know what Jesus talked about. Dr. King brought up police brutality and systemic poverty, hurting African-Americans in the same speech. In the same I Have a Dream speech, he said a couple years later, I must confess that dream I had that day has at many points turned into a nightmare. But Dr. King repeatedly brought up enslavement and the legacy of enslavement and the legacy of American apartheid and the need to address structural racism in 1967. Before we had the words critical race theory, Dr. King was talking exactly about that. That's why he's still dangerous. So here's what you should know. All U.S. states honor Dr. King. It's a federal holiday. <laughs> All day I saw Republicans praising Ronald Reagan. Randy Quaid, yes, no, no less a humanitarian than Randy Quaid praising Ronald Reagan. And they, oh, because it was Reagan who actually signed the day into law. You know about that. So they were thrilled. And, and, and it's kind of crazy because Reagan, we can talk about it now, pretty racist. I mean, very racist. As governor of California, Ronald Reagan said, if an individual wants to discriminate against Negroes or others in selling or renting his house, it is his right to do so. You can go online and hear Ronald Reagan in the Nixon tapes calling the African delegation to the U.N. monkeys. Ronald Reagan made a segregationist the chief justice of the Supreme Court. <laughs> Ronald Reagan defended apartheid. And remember, Ronald Reagan only signed King's birthday into law as a holiday because there was a veto-proof majority and he was forced to. And he still called King a communist after he made the day a holiday. And this is a great metaphor for the Republican Party. <laughs> they honor them with their lips. And that's it. Ten states, all in the South, observe Martin Luther King Day and at least one Confederate holiday. Want to talk about that if we can? Pull up a chair. Tuck on your coat about this. Arkansas, Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas. They all got at least one day celebrating the Confederacy on their calendar. Now, when I was growing up in Virginia, every year on Martin Luther King Day, it was called Jackson Lee King Day. I used to look at my parents' church calendar and be shocked. There it was, Monday, Jackson Lee King Day. 
they piggybacked two Confederate generals onto Dr. King's holiday. They, they literally used the holiday to celebrate two men who took up arms against the United States of America and slaughtered American soldiers because it was so important to them that Martin Luther King Jr. be born a white man's property. In 2000, South Carolina became one of the last states to honor MLK with a state holiday. They also, their legislators voted to create Confederate Memorial Day. And we've seen those all over the place. Florida, and that's what I want to talk about, is one of a handful of southern states that still has this separate state-sanctioned legal holiday honoring the soldiers who fought to quit the United States to preserve the murderous, barbaric, white supremacist institution of slavery. Am I saying we should erase the history? No. I'm saying we shouldn't celebrate white supremacist traitors to the U.S. Confederate Memorial Day in Florida is in April. It's on the same day, uh, the 26th, that General Joseph Johnston surrendered the Army of Tallahassee. So since Ron DeSantis is most likely going to be the GOP nominee and very likely could be our next president, I just want to begin the show tonight by talking about what racism looks like in 2023. Because Ron DeSantis is the doughy, mediocre hero of Christians who aren't fucking Christian. They got a new one. Florida's got a governor who says states should be able to display the white supremacist flag of the Confederacy on government property. Florida has a holiday honoring the general who led the Confederate forces, Robert E. Lee. Florida has another holiday to honor the president of the breakaway states, Jefferson Davis. You know what Florida doesn't have? They don't have an official holiday to commemorate the end of slavery. You follow where I'm going here? They got three days honoring the Confederacy. Three days celebrating the fight to keep Americans in bondage. To keep the raping and the mutilating and the stealing of children. To keep that celebrated. But Juneteenth, well, it's a day of observance in Florida. To step down from a legal holiday. Juneteenth, of course, marks a day in 1865 when the federal troops got to Galveston, Texas and informed black men and women they were actually free. And there's a bill designating Juneteenth Day as a legal paid holiday for employees of all branches and agencies of state government. And it died in the Governmental Oversight and Accountability Committee of Florida's legislature last year. Again, Juneteenth was made a federal holiday in 2021. But Florida is one of the states that have refused to add it to their list of recognized holidays for government workers. Three for the Confederates. Again. Ron DeSantis' legislature wants to keep holidays that honor those who fought to continue slavery, but doesn't want to have a legal holiday to mark the end of slavery. And that makes sense. That's, that's the GOP now. That's what racism looks like. How far can we go? How far can we go without saying the quiet part out loud? Confederate holidays are still recognized in the state. And Ron DeSantis and Republicans of Florida are still against teaching school children that systemic racism was part of this nation's founding. They're going to run for president, opposing teaching kids that systemic racism was part of our founding, despite the fact that the Capitol building was made, literally built by human property. They're going to fight to keep from teaching children that racism has historically impacted all levels of society. And most importantly, Ron DeSantis and the entire Republican Party are going to go to the mats as white men saying that racism does not still negatively affect people of color. We had a black president. It's over. Think about his stupidly named Stop Woke Act. He signed that into law last April, and that restricts any conversations about race in businesses or in schools. That allows students or workers to sue if they think any class or any workplace training course caused them to 
feel guilt, anguish, or any other form of psychological distress due to their race. If white people feel bad because you're teaching the history of racism, they can sue you. (laughs) That's how don't say gay worked. It's not that you can't say gay. It's go ahead and say gay and watch us fucking sue you. Now, this bill never says white people. It never used the phrase white people, but it was clearly drafted for the benefit of white people. I mean, who else is going to feel anguish or guilt or psychological distress due to their race? You don't have to feel anguish or guilt because of what dead white people did. You should know what they did and be happy that you're not that shitty. No, you can't do that because the shitty white people don't want anyone feeling bad about racism. I mean, Ron DeSantis recently claimed it's wrong to teach kids that America was built on stolen land. Like, except it was. They don't want to teach history. They're afraid of facts. Ron DeSantis was pushing for a state education rule that banned any lesson that would denigrate the founding fathers. You know, the ones who made slavery the law of this country. Now, authoritarians do this. They attack intellectuals. The Khmer Rouge did it. The Third Reich did it. But it's not about protecting kids. It's about protecting parents from having to have awkward conversation with kids. And that's all it's about. And Ron DeSantis may become president by promising parents they'll never have to talk about racism with their white children. Critical race theory is asking what kind of a worldview would celebrate treasonous slave owners? Like, what kind of worldview praises that? And again, a lot of people don't want to have these conversations, but eventually they have to be asked. I mean, what kind of lawmaker would do this? What kind of person did you vote for? Again, the Jim Crow laws didn't enforce themselves. This was what your grandparents did down south, and they don't want you to know about it. That's what racism looks like. The denial of racism. Now, also, the state legislature of Florida passed that DeSantis signed this bill that would crack down on any protests. Because that was in response to the protests over the killing of George Floyd by a white police officer in Minneapolis. And that bill is crazy. You could be arrested if you find yourself in the middle of a riot. You could get a felony charge. They, they can deny bail to people who were arrested at a protest. They can provide legal protection to any motorists who drive over protesters with a car. They're protected. Or if you vandalize a Confederate statue, that's a felony. He's trying to terrify protesters from ever even protesting. And this is the pattern. This is a state and a governor that consistently shows his disregard for black and brown Floridians, pandering to a white political base in Florida that doesn't care if he lies. And they don't care if he creates a whole new bunch of felons out of protesters. DeSantis has gone after the 1619 Project. Of course he has. That's strength, right? Claiming racism doesn't exist. Arguing that uh, he said it was the CRT version of history, claiming they want to teach our kids that the American Revolution was fought to protect slavery. And that's false. No one wants to teach kids that the American Revolution was fought to protect slavery. That wasn't what it was fought about. But it enabled slavery. That was part of the system. And And then let's talk about Ron DeSantis and felony disenfranchisement. That's something that began at the beginning of Jim Crow. That's how they found a way, these white supremacists, to keep these blacks from voting. Throw them in jail for vagrancy, and then you're a felon. You can't vote. That survived from the end of the Civil War until about five years ago. It was November of 2018. They had the election. 65% of Florida voters voted for Amendment 4, which rejected that Confederate tradition of felon disenfranchisement. Through that amendment, Florida voters said, if you have committed a crime and paid your debt to society when you return 
and you've completed your sentence and parole and probation, unless you committed murder or felony sexual offenses, you can get your voting rights back. Oh, we celebrated on this show. It was so positive. It was so Christian. It was so patriotic. And Ron DeSantis was not going to let that happen. He and the Republicans passed Senate Bill 7066, which eliminated the right to vote for returning citizens who were given this right back under Amendment 4 by making voting contingent on your wealth. He did this. Ron DeSantis wanted so badly to keep black and brown people from voting in his state. He went back to the 1870s, Jim Crow era, to institute a poll tax to get rid of voting rights. It's true. And on May 24th of last year, a federal judge found that law was nothing more than a pay-to-vote scheme that violated the U.S. Constitution. And DeSantis doesn't care. He knows these things will all be laughed out of court. He wants to be seen making the announcement. He wants to be seen being the white man who pisses off civil rights workers. That's the leader of the Republican Party. That's the one they're replacing Trump with. Liberals, get off your Trump fixation. He's never going to be president again. This book-banning governor, this guy who shipped asylum seekers from Texas to Massachusetts as a cruel stunt, relocating refugees, just as a way of signaling to the racist wing of the GOP, they've got a hero in him, just like they had in Trump, wink, wink. And can we stop saying he sent migrants? He, he, he deceived and trafficked Christian refugees. Ron DeSantis, who's now calling on the Florida Supreme Court to give him a grand jury to investigate COVID-19 vaccines. <laughs> The Palm Beach Post said they noted the coronavirus has killed more people age 65 and older in Florida than any other state in the nation. And the public health experts outside of the state attribute the trend to the DeSantis administration's counterproductive COVID-19 policies, which started when the governor began weaponizing health care. That's his own state. How mediocre is this guy? Well, in his three terms in Congress, he sponsored 52 bills. Most of them were attacking Obamacare. He did a bill forcing Obama to go in Obamacare. He did a bill that accused Obama of usurping the legislative authority to Congress by passing Obamacare. In the entirety of his three terms in Congress, not a single bill that Congressman Ron DeSantis wrote ever became a law. And in fact, except for the freshman term in Congress, he has always been running for higher office. Like that was those two years were the only time he wasn't running for a higher office. In his second term, he actually ran for Florida's open Senate seat until Marco Rubio didn't become president and came crawling back. Now, Ron DeSantis wrote a terrible book in 2011 called Dreams from Our Founding Fathers. Even if it's a parody of Barack Obama. And um, it's an awful Tea Party book about how Barack Obama is a Marxist. He calls him a closet Marxist. At one point, he writes that Obama has Muslim roots. It's all race baiting. And when he runs for president, this book will come out. And DeSantis, because he is a freaking racist. And get used to saying that, guys. Get used to having the receipts. He said in his book, The Three-Fifths Compromise, the evil law that counted black people as three-fifths of a human, he said it benefited the anti-slavery states. That's a crazy lie. Black people couldn't vote, and the provision got the slaveholding states extra representatives in Congress. Plantation owners just wanted more votes in Congress, and they didn't want to count their human property as people. <laughs> Even with the Three-Fifths Compromise, the anti-slaveholding states got nothing out of the deal. But DeSantis said it to make racists feel good. That's what his movement is all about. The denial of reality. He attacked Thurgood Marshall because Thurgood Marshall once said the Constitution was defective from the start for allowing slavery. Well, Ron DeSantis, white man, says that black man's opinions missed the mark. He said it was unfair to the founding fathers to call them out for keeping slavery legal in 1787. 
DeSantis says in his horrible book, The Constitution Was Good, because it set up a system. Here it is. It set up a system where slavery was eventually designed to fail. So it was okay. Let it go on. Let it continue. The beatings and the rapes and the mutilations and the families torn apart. The genocide of working human beings to death. It's designed to fail. This man is a sociopath. In his horrible book, he argues it was cool for slavery to remain legal in the 1780s because our Constitution was so smart and so revolutionary that it totally outweighs the part where it legalized enslavement and torture and murder and rape. Ron DeSantis is dumb and he's amoral, but the same people who didn't care that George W. Bush was dumb and amoral, the same fake Christians, fake patriots who didn't care that Donald Trump was dumb and amoral. Oh my God, they love him. And here's what you need to know. He was going after the New York Times 1619 project a few months ago. And he said the dumbest thing he's ever said, that no one questioned slavery before the American Revolution. He said it was the American Revolution that caused people to question slavery. Nobody had questioned slavery before we decided as Americans that we are endowed by our creator with inalienable rights and that we are all created equal. Then that birthed abolition movements. Every part of that's a lie. But Ron DeSantis says it so shitty white people can feel good about being shitty, amoral white people. Guys, the U.S. as a government did not act against slavery in any form until 1807. In 1807, they outlawed the Atlantic slave trade. And you know why? Not because slavery was wrong, because they realized they'd make more money in the slave breeding business in this country. And we acted in a few ways to protect slavery right up to the Civil War. No one had questioned slavery before. No one tell Ron DeSantis about Moses. No one tell Ron DeSantis about the slaves themselves who had probably questioned it. Maybe, maybe Rhonda. See, the idea that no one questioned slavery, think about that language. I'm going to stop ranting about this in one second, but think about that. No one questioned slavery. That erases the people who were living as slaves. That erases the people who were resisting slavery. The slaves who had revolts in South Carolina and, and New York, they weren't questioning slavery. Was John Brown questioning slavery? And here's why that statement shows Ron DeSantis' true character. Ron DeSantis, who yesterday just posted a little meme saying, happy MLK Day. Never mind the fact he opposes almost everything MLK fought for. Ron DeSantis said, let me say it again. Nobody had questioned it slavery before we decided as Americans that we are endowed by our creator with inalienable rights and that we are all created equal, then that birthed abolition movements. Do you notice what he's saying? When he's talking about we, it's very clear. He's not talking about black Americans. Nobody had questioned slavery before we decided as Americans that we we're endowed by our creator. Black people are outside that description of we Americans. And that move can only be understood as part of Ron DeSantis' strategy to just keep playing wink, wink, nudge, nudge with white nationalism all the way to the White House. Ron DeSantis is the Ted Cruz of Rick Perry's. 2023 is going to be crazy. Be prepared. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued 
at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Let's talk about lies that pass for fact. Let's talk about lies that people are very comfortable assuming are fact. Martin Luther King Jr. wasn't a communist. He was called one that his whole life. I don't think he ever actually called for the nationalization of any corporations. All day on his birthday, I had right-wing people calling him a communist on my Twitter timeline. How about Barack Obama wasn't really born here? How about Donald Trump won the 2020 election? How about critical race theory teaches K-12 white kids in public school to hate themselves? How about people who care about the humanity of trans children are all groomers? You know, there, there's a, actually a very straight line between the beliefs of QAnon and the book of Revelation. You know, this belief that this pizza parlor basement was the home of a pedophilia ring. Well, it's not that far from believing that only Trump anointed by God like King Cyrus is the savior that could oust the ridiculous evil in our country. I mean, the delusional thinking that drives Trumpism really has a long history in our world where people are very comfortable going into whatever kind of farcical beyond reason fantasy to justify their world. And if the world questions their beliefs, they'll change their perception of the world to fit their beliefs. Now, I'm not doing justice to the work of Jared Yates Sexton. He's the author of American Rule, The Man They Wanted Me to Be, and The People Are Going to Rise Like the Water is Upon Your Shore. You've read his writing in the New York Times, the New Republic, Politico. He's the host of the Muckrake podcast, and he did so much great work uh, covering Donald Trump's rallies and events over the years. Mr. Sexton was actually one of the first people warning the potential of very fascist violence coming out of those quarters. His new book, The Midnight Kingdom, A History of Power, Paranoia, and the Coming Crisis. It's not just about Trump and the Republican Party and the conflicts they represent. It's about how they're part of a much greater problem, an historic conflict, and he's just the latest incarnation of it. This is a book that goes into not just our politics, but how the modern world itself was constructed. And it explores some of history's most incredible leaders and moments. I mean, he begins this book with the Roman Empire, goes through Charlemagne, Nero, Napoleon, Darwin, Stalin, and of course, talks about the guys who uh, are the heroes of Western civilization now and who've built their reputation on lies and myth, like Trump, like Alex Jones, like Elon Musk. It is an incredible book, and it is such a great honor to welcome Jared Yates Sexton back to SiriusXM. Hello, sir. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you so much. That, that is very, very kind. No, no, I love it. I, there's so much spirituality and history in this book, and I want to dive right into it. Congratulations on your launch day. I was watching you on TV all day. You, you say in the book that um, American history is largely the story of paranoia. I agree, but I'm wondering, what do you mean specifically by that? Well, I mean, it, it's just tricking through. You know, one, one of the things that we keep getting told is that this current era, it's full of unprecedented conspiracy theories. I'm so tired of hearing that and reading these articles mm -hmm. that we've never seen this stuff before. But the, the founding of America itself was based on a conspiracy theory. The idea that the British were going to, you know, weaponize enslaved people and Native Americans. And then, you know, by the election of 1800, they're calling Thomas Jefferson a secret Illuminati, you know, 
destructor of Christianity. You go into the Civil War, all conspiracy theories, the same stories over and over and over again. You even get to the 20th century. Every reform movement is met with conspiracy theories. Labor unions are called communists. Martin Luther King is called a communist. Yep. You know, everything that we have seen is always met with these conspiracy theories that go ahead and protect power. And that's how, that's the entire story of America from beginning to end. That's right. But but if it need be that people need to be swayed by lies like calling the Indians savages, it fed directly into the narcissism of the Christians of this early nation and led them to feel very justified in committing some deeply unchristian acts. It's it's the story of how power has operated long before America became a thing. Yeah, the idea of civilization from the very beginning was, you know, a complete and utter farce. It's a story that talks about in-groups and out-groups. If you're part of, quote-unquote, civilization, you know, the law is supposed to protect you. You're the one who's supposed to enjoy the spoils of empire and all this. Exactly. If you're a barbarian, then you deserve the sword, you deserve the gun, you deserve genocide, and slavery, you name it. And we're even seeing that now, like the lens of what's happening with everything from Black Lives Matter to people asking for trans people to be treated like human beings it's treated as if it's a conspiracy you know it's there to destroy civilization and as a result they deserve to be put down they deserve That's to be it. in prison they deserve oppression i mean if you consider the stats that up to 26 million people protested around the world after the death of george floyd it was probably by far the least violent protest in history but because the power structure can't come out and praise the cops because they can't come out and, you know, approve of the killing. They have to demonize the protesters. And that's really what we saw in the time of Trump, that that we saw people very outraged about protests against racism, more so than the actual racism. I, I think you'll agree there were a lot more people on Twitter who were much more angry about Colin Kaepernick's knee than Derek Chauvin's. Oh, absolutely. And and throughout all of it, the, those conspiracy theories are meant to undermine it. What did we hear immediately? Black Lives Matter was a George Soros conspiracy. It was being paid for by Soros and, and his foundations, which, by the way, you don't have to peel back the layers to understand. It's saying it's a Jewish puppet master. Globalist, globalist, globalist. Yeah, exactly. Globalist with the, you know, with the parentheses around it. All of it is the exact same playbook over and over and over again, because that's the only thing that they have. The the problem here, though, is it's incredibly effective. And there are people who believe that, you know, you need to go out, you need to bust skulls, you need to throw people in jail simply because these conspiracy theories give them a story that goes ahead and prepares them for just absolutely horrific actions. Well, so let me ask you then about religious indoctrination, because that has traditionally been the number one tool of authoritarian societies. I mean, uh, you know, uh, um, what's his face says it. Um, um, uh, my God, what's his face? Uh, well, they, they all say it. You have to, con to control, control the people. You have to have religion. And so when I was growing up down south, we would be taught about the rapture and the end of the world. And we were taught that, you know, one day that uh, this is going to happen. And that's why it's very, very important to be very good to people and loving the people and forgiving the people. So when that day comes, you're worthy. I, I didn't know till I was much older what a minority I was raised in because you grew up in it, Jared. You grew up in really apocalyptic fire and brimstone Christianity about damnation and torment. Really yeah, I grew up in a I grew up in a very extreme evangelical community. And this was one of the reasons that when I was going into these Trump rallies, I recognized that there was something wrong. Because what I thought was relegated to my church, which by the way, was the exact same conspiracy theory fear-mongering. It was the idea that Satan was behind this. He was working with Russia. He was working with liberals. It was in our culture, our movies, you know, these same anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. 
what I thought was relegated to my hometown and my my small church, I looked up in 2016, I suddenly realized it was being weaponized. It was appearing everywhere. And that's when I knew that something like Christian nationalism was coming along. That didn't surprise me because you're exactly right. The religious indoctrination is what makes all of this possible. So how did Charlemagne, ordering the beheading of 4,500 Saxons who refused to convert to Christianity, lead us here? I I have to say, I'm a big fan of authors who can connect the dots between events like this. I've never seen anything like what you do in the book. I mean, the roots of January 6th go thousands of years into our past. No, they absolutely do. And, you know, you look at something like that, a literal genocide, right? We're talking about war crimes on a, on a level that, that is almost unthinkable. And yet Charlemagne and all these other supposed di- divine agents, they were considered, you know, the, 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 the executors of God's will. They were considered heroes. They were considered holy, you know. And, and, and when you have that, when you are supposedly carrying out God's will or the will of the universe, what, however it is you square it in your mind, you can do anything. You can enslave people. You can carry out genocides. You can carry out unlawful wars. You can carry out colonization. And and that is the thing. It prepares people to do things like, I don't know, overrunning the Capitol on January 6th, going out and shooting up the houses of their political rivals. It's that story that people tell themselves, that Christian nationalism and now national conservatism, it's those stories that they tell each other that legitimizes all of this and prepares them to do things that otherwise they never would have thought of. Like what? I mean, we're, we're talking about how these bizarre ideas become more mainstreamed. And once people believe them enough, those people can be called upon to commit atrocities or to believe that people like fired racist host of the Celebrity Apprentice is America's savior. Yeah. And I want to go ahead and I want to use an example of something like QAnon. I trace the QAnon conspiracy theory and its narratives back to ancient Rome, to the persecution of the Christians, right? This is an idea that has always been there. And and people roll their eyes about Q and QAnon and they sort of treat it like a lark. But this thing has completely permeated the Republican Party and conservative America and large swaths of the world. And what it says is this, for people who are uninitiated, they don't understand It literally says that things are so far gone, that corruption is so far gone, that it's going to take people hanging from lampposts in every city and in every major part of the country, that there's going to have to be a military coup that leads to, you know, blood flowing through the streets. Now, some people can roll their eyes at that, but you need to understand that that story prepares people to accept it. It prepares people to play a role in it. And what I've seen, I'm talking personal, I'm talking family members, people I grew up with. They are no longer just talking about this. They're no longer just making jokes about this. This has become a key component of their identity. They are now domestic terrorists. They are now basically wanting to carry out the types of attacks that in the past we would have seen Al-Qaeda or ISIS carry out. And it's because of these exact same conspiracy theories that permeate all these cultures. January 6th was, according to the dictionary, terrorism. But the people who were there committing this terrorism wouldn't have done it if they hadn't been deluded into having some core beliefs that were not true, but were very useful to get them to go into these paranoid fantasies. I mean, we're really talking about this, this just rejection of reality, about these fellow humans who are just beyond reason. 
Yeah, and and I'll tell you what, there's another thing that's happening with this. They're in personal crises, you know? Um, To a person, everybody that I find who goes down like a a, a QAnon rabbit hole, something is going on in their life that makes them feel alone, that makes them feel powerless. These conspiracy theories, these authoritarian movements, they tell a very, very palatable story. And it says this, you feel alone? Guess what? We have a group of people who are hanging out by torchlight. Oh, you're feeling powerless? Goose step in the square. Yeah. And the next thing you know, you have, and, and by the way, the problem is largely young white men. It always has been. That is the basis of fascism, mm-hmm. the basis of Nazism, most authoritarian movements. So you have like this entire generation of people who are looking to belong to part of something. And guess what? They are part of something that can overthrow a capital. They're That's part right. of something that threatens the country and like and one of the, the, the biggest, strongest empires in the history of the world. It is really potent. And it isn't something, again, to roll our eyes at. It's not something that's going to get better. Donald Trump is a symptom of a larger problem. This thing is still there and it's still growing by the day. This is fundamentalism. I mean, when you yep. convince people that that and no matter what the religion, Islam, Christianity, when, when people can be convinced that they are on the side of the one true God, then anyone who opposes you is on the side of Satan. And we know, Jared, real Christians don't sit down with Satan and negotiate what marriage is or what a woman is or what school curriculum is. And that's where, just as we saw alleged followers of Christ who fought to preserve slavery, who who fought to turn in Jews and commit ethnic cleansing, who persecuted LGBT people. I mean, they're so quick to throw out their holy book when they can be convinced that their cruelty is a spiritual virtue. Yeah, and and the entire thing is based on apocalyptic fear mongering. And this is one of the most uh, important facets of Christianity that helps the powerful. It's the idea that at any moment you can, like, I've been talking about this all day, you know, we have this gas stove issue, you know, and Uh and it's one of the most absurd things to come up in a long time. If we were a functional society, we could look at the statistics and studies and say, oh my God, I think gas stoves probably contribute to childhood asthma. How do we phase it out? How do we help that? Instead, what's being peddled is this idea that jackbooted government thugs are going to right break away. down your back door and they're going to take you and your kids like they took Elian Gonzalez, you know? That's right. And that apocalyptic nature, it takes us from having conversations about what are what's actually happening in the world, what we can do to move forward. And it's used by the wealthy and the powerful to go ahead and push their agenda. And the reason it, it keeps working is because We've never pushed back against it. These yeah. conspiracy theories are are so well-researched that they're now allowing these people to take over public education. Yeah. We're now watching them take over local governments and regional governments and legislatures. Groomers, and in the midst groomers, of all of it, yeah. Exactly. It's I don't CRT want to be called groomers. a groomer. I, I don't want to be called a groomer here. Have control. Exactly. Exactly. And so you have people who are starting to push away from public service, people who don't want to go to, to polls anymore. You know, we, we heard this story out of New Mexico where like these public figures who are just doing service are having their houses shot up. And what's actually happening is that open society is being destroyed. We That's are right. literally watching these people take over in, in what you said, which is exactly right, using fundamentalism and their entire purpose. And and by the way, I know that you know this, but I want people to hear it. If I'm, This isn't conjecture. It's not a conspiracy theory. If you listen to what these people say, if you read what they write, that's what they want. They want a fundamentalist controlled reactionary culture. They want to roll back all the progress of the 20th century. They right. Not only do they want women not allowed to have abortions, they want women walking around covered head to toe, not leaving the house. Yeah. 
I mean, this thing is so large and it is so ambitious and disgusting. It 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 is literally the exact same thing that we have seen in terms of like other culture destroying movements. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, I, I get hung up on this all the time because as someone who talks a lot about the Bible and scripture and what Jesus actually said versus what his unauthorized fan clubs claim he believed in, yep. I, I would say that the establishment, the media, the Democratic Party, the liberals, they're terrified to take on religion. They're terrified to actually quote scripture and say to someone you're wrong. They have ceded spirituality to the right wing the same way they ceded patriotism to the right wing. And you point out beautifully that there's this apocalyptic Christianity directly fueled what happened in our country on January 6th. And you're one of the few people to talk about it. Can you unpack that thinking for us a little bit? Yeah. So something like a January 6th, and I, and I want to call it what it was. It was an attempted coup. But to the people involved, it was an attempted revolution. They literally believe that not only had an election been stolen, but that if they allowed the election to be stolen, it would mean the end of their lives. They truly believe that they would be put in FEMA camps, that, you know, Joe Biden would come into and become a totalitarian dictator, right? That's right. They, yes. they had been so, um, so ramped up by Fox News, by the right wing ecosystem, Donald Trump, and also the donors who made all of this possible who are doing it in order to attack the government and rep representative democracy, they were so amped up that it literally became a do-or-die scenario for a lot of the people on the ground at January 6th. And if you believe that, if you truly live in that alternate reality, then it has to be a logical thing. That's when you pick up your gun. That's when you try and take over a government is when you truly believe that you're being taken over by dictatorial powers. It is uh, the quickest way to get people to carry out these actions. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And and it's efficient. I mean, it's always about the majority getting people to believe that they're the oppressed ones and there's a conspiracy against them. I mean, how else can you get majority Christian white population to feel that the gays are going to take over or the Christian refugees at our southern border are going to take over or the non-Christians, the Jews, the Muslims? I mean, you always have to make those who are the majority feel like their way of life is constantly under some kind of existential attack. Yeah, and I want to point out something in all of this, which is right-wing conspiracy theories are so potent because they have elements of truth to them, right? There's always like a little nugget of truth to it. So like when we're sitting here, uh, you know, carrying out fear-mongering among these people, part of it is we do know that America has problems. We do know that our institutions need reformed. We do understand that our government has been largely co-opted by dark money and corruption. So That's as right. a result, we need to have a conversation about what that is. But the wealthy and the powerful, they always do this with their conspiracy theories. And I want people to know this. Conspiracy theories take an actual problem that needs explained. And then it's used by the people who caused the problem to transfer the blame to their political enemies. That's right. It's not people of color. It's not gay people. It's not trans people. It's not women. It's not poor people. It's not refugees at the border who have caused these problems. That's right. It's Thank the you. same wealthy people who are paying for things like January 6th, who are paying for things like Trumpism, who are paying to take over the government. What they do constantly is they take the focus from themselves to their political enemies. And it's been that case for not just centuries, but millennia at this point. The book is Dynamite. The author is Jared Yates Sexton. The new release coming out today, The Midnight Kingdom, A History of Power, Paranoia, and the Coming Crisis. Jared, 
I barely got to any of my questions. I know you're very busy with the book tour, but when things calm down, we would love to have you back any night and go even deeper uh, on your chapters. I I just love the book and I can't wait to finish it. Thank you so much for joining I, us. What it, let's go really deep and talk about some schisms. What do you say? Let's do it. I'll harass you on Twitter and get you back. How do our listeners follow you and keep up with your work, sir? I'm at J.Y. Saxton, and the podcast is the Mike Craig Podcast. This book is crazy great. Thank you for joining us. We'll be right Thanks. back with your calls at 866-997-4748. This is Progress. And welcome back. <laughs> so let me just play this. Uh, as you know, Joe Biden uh, took some documents uh, with him. They were, of course, um, documents the vice president had, which means they're probably the schematics of the malls he was there to open. I, I don't know what classified stuff vice presidents bring home. Uh, Joe Biden cooperated with law enforcement every step of the way, did everything right, turned the documents in, notified the FBI, uh, never lied, never blew off a subpoena, never wagged his junk at the Department of Justice never went on Twitter and played victim and called the other people a hoax or a witch hunt. Uh, Joe Biden has not asked for a special master to slow the process down. So obviously he's hiding something. Listen to this. Reporters today carrying Republican water yet again, asking Karine Jean-Pierre why the White House thinks these documents are not worthy of public outrage. The White House says Republicans are faking outrage on this issue. Why shouldn't Americans be outraged about classified documents being found in a garage? Look, and I think I've been very clear about this. We have answered questions on this at this podium. You've heard, as Phil was saying twice from the president, talk about this. He said that he didn't know. Right. He said that he was surprised and he said that he takes classified information and documents very, very seriously. We heard directly from the president on this issue. Now, anything else, anything beyond that, uh, we're just not going to talk about. There's an investigation going on. There's a legal process here, as we've been very, very clear about. Uh, I will let the White House counsel uh, talk about any specific details uh, about that. Uh, but we're going to be prudent here and make sure that we are not uh, interfering in this process. So in other words, it is complete bullshit and it's never going away. Get used to hearing feigned outrage about Joe Biden's documents from people who didn't care about Donald Trump's criminal behavior and lies. Get ready because Joe Biden's documents is not a scandal. Neither was Hillary's emails. But like herpes or Kardashians. <laughs> It's never going away. Lee Papa is the political blogger known to mortals as the rude pundit. Maybe you fell in love with him on the Stephanie Miller show. The New York Times called him a tornado, a child of Lenny Bruce, Richard Pryor and Hunter S. Thompson. Please follow him and you can uh, check out his Patreon under the username Rude Pundit. Rude. It's Rude Tuesday. It's good to see you. Good to see you, too. Good to see you. Is your family OK? Lee, I mean, listen, I know that the Republicans took the office saying that they were going to take care of crime and inflation and the immigration crisis. And I got to tell you, um, all this attention on the vice president not breaking the law is really, really taking away valuable time from Hunter Biden's laptop. Is your family OK? Are you going to be able to make ends meet? Uh, you know what? I, I I think at this point that uh, Hunter Biden has actually taken money out of my pocket and paid hookers with it. That's uh, or or that's that's sure at least what um, what some members of Congress want us to think. By the way, we found out last week Donald Trump literally did that. He wrote off Stormy Daniels. So we have all paid for his hooker. 
<laughs> you know what, though? I'd rather pay for that than nuclear bombs. So, you know. Hey, when- listen, I've seen her movies. She's she's created more jobs than him, if you know what I'm saying. Hey, hey. <laughs> oh, 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 I read her book and uh, and she she arguably is wealthier than Donald Trump because she carries no debt. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, she's worth so- she's millions of dollars. Yeah. So, well, so let me ask you about this, because obviously the Biden story is rubbish, but Biden's people have handled it maybe not great, um, but they've done everything right and they've opened themselves up to more criticism. Now, obviously, nothing's going to happen here. No one's going to go to jail. Joe Biden never broke the law. Donald Trump did. Right wing people don't care. This should not be a story. But, Lee, they're going to make this a story. They're going to Benghazi the fuck out of this for the next few years. And I've been saying everyone listening who knew that Hillary Clinton hadn't broken the law in Benghazi. Everyone listening who knew Obama was really born here, you better get ready to memorize a whole new set of talking points defending an innocent Democrat, because this is not going away. You know, I got to say, though, drawing fire away from Hunter Biden, because let me tell you, the Hunter Biden thing was not getting any traction beyond uh, beyond the right wing nutosphere. Yeah. And and, you know, but even with these documents, you know, I just want to note that no one noticed that the classified documents that were on that were found on Biden's property or in that office were missing. Nobody noticed that no. we went through the whole Trump administration and nobody cared. They right. came across them and returned them. And but but the, but the National, Ar- National that, Archives never knew they were missing, never said, hey, never Joe knew. Biden. Yeah. And Joe Biden never had a chance to lie and return half of them and get subpoenaed and blow off the subpoena. Joe Biden never had a chance to break all these laws that Trump did because he, no, they, they, they were missing. bullshit documents. But the ones that Trump took, they knew immediately. Holy shit. We got to get these things back. This is important stuff. That's right. So, you know, it's not like I mean, there's so many ways in which one is not like the other. It, it, it's it's just mind boggling. But you're right. I mean, you know, I, I I think that there's a way in which that they could, I don't know how they can spin this, but they do need to come up with a way to spin this better than just calling bullshit constantly. I think the bullshit to call is to say, oh, OK, you think you think there should be a, uh, a, a an investig special investigation of this. What did you say that about? about Trump, because if you're not consistent on this, then you're full of shit. But again, they know they're full of shit. They're doing it, as we've discussed, because they can't govern. They can only do performative governance where they just go out and make a lot of noise and pretend that they've been legislating. You ask, how are they going to spin this? Here is House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. And I'm sorry, whenever I say House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, I always take a moment for an angel to vomit. Here is House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. uh, This is A4. He's more than happy to bloviate about documents in garages. We have a current sitting president that had gone on 60 Minutes criticizing President Trump for what he's done. We had all the Democrats attacking. They even put a special counsel prosecutor to go after President Trump by this. Before the election, they found out President Biden had these documents, not under lock, a simple push of a button that could open a garage door that every American has and knows what happens when how people get robbed mainly by going through a garage door makes it quite easy. (laughs) Prior to an election, they kept it secret. At no time did he get raided by the FBI. At no time did they come forward and say who was there could actually see these documents that are sitting in the garage behind a Corvette said it was this is all we had but we find time and time again 
They put a special prosecutor only asking other people raise the issue. But are the same amount of agents investigating this that are investigating President Trump? Is the same um, push behind it? It just does not seem fair. This is why the American people get so upset and distrust their government when they see that the law is not applied All right, equally. Uh, Chris, let's, let's, and, listen, and yeah, yeah, let's, let's, somebody- yeah, it's going to be such a pleasure watching this man's life descend back into hell over the next year. Yeah, Chris? <laughs> Why'd you cut the clip off? There was only 12 more minutes of him. I know, I know. I know. cocksucker. <laughs> fuck him. <laughs> fuck. I'm so, fuck, he, yeah, I'm already fucking sick of him. I'm fucking oh. sick of that. You know, he, you know what, he, honestly, he's so awful and dishonest and creepy that mentally I just high-fived Matt Gates while I was listening to that. That's how, damn you, Kevin McCarthy, for making me appreciate uh, Matt. Look, look, I mean, we know, why wasn't Biden's house raided? Because Biden didn't break the law and he cooperated. It was in a place where no one could see it. Well, you don't care about presidents doing that. And are there the same amount of agents investigating as Trump? No, because Biden didn't break the law and lie to people and blow off subpoenas. It's it's sort of like... What did, are there the same amount of police investigating a, a, a shoplifting versus a bank robbery? I mean, what the fuck? Just, you know, fucking calm down, you know? Right. Preach. And I heard him. To, the other thing I heard him today was going off on Eric Swalwell, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That fucking smug ass voice just talking about, I got, if you heard what I heard from the FBI about Eric Swalwell, you wouldn't want him anywhere near an intelligence committee. And, and, and they, they gave him access to secrets that we couldn't even have access to. And it's like, no, no no shit, motherfucker. You know, and again, this is a man, Kevin McCarthy, this is a man who's on tape saying he thinks that Russia pays Trump. He's on yeah. tape saying it. And now he spends the rest of his time with Donald Trump's testicles somewhere down his throat. Yeah. Yeah. And, and smelling Trump taint for the rest of his life. That's it. He owns it. And I say, let him. But like, Lee, I'm listening to this and I'm like, I'm shouting at my radio saying, but, 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 but Biden didn't break the law. He didn't raid his house because he cooperated. And, and I'm like, oh, my God. It's like when I would say, but there was a birth announcement in the Hawaii newspaper in 1961. How could there possibly be a fraudulent person? It wasn't the, the embassy in Benghazi. It was the consulate. They don't care. Yeah. They They know they're lying. They know that it's not going to win them any new votes, but they know they're not going to do dick to make the lives better of the white, mediocre people who send them to office. All they can do is hate the same people their shitty white constituents hate. And that's what they're doing. That's their job. You know, the uh, something I wrote this week was leaping off of Adam Serwer's The Cruelty is the Point. Yeah. I, I, I wrote something this week called The Assholery is the Point. Boom. And, you, you know, it's not at least the cruelty. There was an underlying evil ideology that was behind that cruelty that server goes through. Yeah. This is just assholery for the sake of assholery. And as you're saying, as a way of distracting from the inability to actually accomplish anything, but it's, but, but, you know, other than, owning the making libs sad and and aggravating us and making us do these kinds of contortions uh as we as we as we try to you know to actually take in the amount of lies and and they and of that white middle class that you're talking or that white population that you're talking about they don't give a shit that it's a lie they give a shit that we're agitated and they don't they don't care how many lies it takes that's it that's it If, if liberals if black people 
if foreigners, if educated academics are angry about something, that I don't care if it's true or not, they're pissing off the right people. This is the politics of hate. It's tribalism. And it works. And the thing is, you're, you're right about, you know, assholedom in these men. And that's something really that we can talk about Donald Trump being part of larger historical trends. But really, up until Trump, I will say one thing that he changed. Every president we have had in my lifetime is someone who pretends to be a good person. Even George W. Bush would talk about the better angels of our nature. They pretend to be a good person. Watching George Bush Sr. pretend to be a good person was so awkward and terrible, but he was running against Dukakis, so he got away with it. Trump's the first one to come out there and say, look at me, folks. I'm a millionaire at birth, fucking asshole, and I grope women, and I hate minorities, and I lie, and I'm winning, and I'm awesome. And I think Trump was the first person to ever come out and and give a political following permission to be their shittiest selves. I oh, don't yeah. think no. we've ever seen that from a, a president before. No, he was the one that said, let your id run rampant. Just, That's you it. know, let, let it out, let it out and let it let, let let it let it run with its balls dangling out and make everybody have to uh, have to deal with it. You're lying. Donald Trump doesn't know what an id is, and I doubt he could spell it. But I think you're right. I appreciate it. Now, this is th- this is where we're at. This is this is Matt Gates. This is Marjorie Taylor Greene. But, 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 but it's petulant it's even, it's even, people. The, the the assholery is so deep. I mean, the whole thing about smoking on the House side, there's no yeah. reason to do that, to sit there and, you know, fucking uh, Tucker Carlson's you know, talking about But that's about Tucker the, Carlson's MO. The douchebaggery is the point. Yeah. I mean, you just there's no reason to do this. They're smoking. The, the guy's, you know, s- sucking on a fucking cock cigar in the uh, in one of the in the rules committee meetings or in yeah. the in the in the room of the rules committee to the point where it's so poisoning the air oh, there yeah. that the press had to get in a special fi- filter for its air. It's like these guys, these guys would remove handicapped parking spaces just to seem badass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like these are yeah. the guys who would like throw a dead fly to a blind spider and, and then laugh. I mean, that's their whole gig. It is about the cruelty. It is about the cell. It's about the petulance. And for mediocre white people, the petulance of a Matt Gates looks like strength. Yeah, it does. It looks like power. That's what it does. It looks like, well, if you have the it's 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 having it's like, you know, it's like looking at someone and going, oh, they have fuck you money. You know, that's the <laughs> Elon Musk mystique. He has fuck you money. You're right. uh, even if even if he loses 44 billion, he still has fuck you money. Lee, before I, I let you go, I don't know if you've heard about this, but um, Republicans in Wisconsin, you know, they, 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 they want to bring back conversion therapy. In 2020, they passed a ban on conversion therapy of, of torturing gay kids until they're straight again. Right. Uh, and, and the Democratic governor was was overseeing it with mental health professionals. But now a committee in the Republican controlled legislature has blocked that ban and all six members voted to block it. I mean, Republican lawmakers in at least 11 states are introducing legislation to restrict access to transgender health care. But we're witnessing them try to turn back the clock on literally torturing gay kids with reparative therapy, which even Chris Christie has turned his back on. You know, Lee, this is how it's going to be. This party is going to continue to marginalize themselves. They're going to continue to be disgusting and turn off independents and moderates in statewide elections. And um, they're going to do that. But the, the other question is, is are they going to alienate people so much from the political process 
that they don't want to participate anymore. And that's one of the things that I fear too, is that is that if if, if change can't happen, like if you live in a state where 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 change is slow or or non-existent and you're watching other places where change happens, then mm-hmm. what do you do? You know? You fear um, is Wisconsin you fear also where they're is Wisconsin also where there was it Wisconsin or Wyoming? I can't remember that 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 said they were going to phase out electric cars as a response to California phasing out um, phasing out, uh, you know, gas, ca- gas driven cars. I hadn't heard that at all. That's yeah, really there is a there is there's a state that is that has decided to push that as a response oh my God, it, it's like it's just ass, like i said it's assholery but the assholery has consequences as real people consequences and but and it has consequences for the people that actually vote for the assholes that's right but, i mean but well, they don't look, care. At the, look at the repeal of roe v wade I mean, look at how much these poor states are going to get poor. Sarah Huckabee Sanders just gave her speech, her, her, her uh, inauguration oh, speech God. and said, oh, we are never going to let the federal government put their claws down here and impose. We're not going to have anything to do with the federal government. Arkansas takes almost 40 percent of the entire state budget from federal funds. They are welfare queens. But they're and, going to keep on doing say- this. This is the playbook. They're going to run against the government, do nothing for the people, beat up on marginalized groups to make it seem like they're doing something for the people and count once again on being shitty to minorities getting the folks back home to just keep them in power and and just just to add a, a couple of things about how shitty smoky eye sanders is please do. she uh, she is um First of all, that line she said was, we're not going to let them, you know, cross the Mississippi to to, to get their hands right. across. We're going to stop them at the Mississippi. And I'm like, there are fucking planes. If we want to come over there, we'll come over there. And the other th- <laughs> the other thing, though, is she keeps talking about how she how they're going to change things from how things were done. An- another prime asshole move is getting rid of Latinx from all of the documents that that yes. and, and, and that 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 people that work for the state of Arkansas can't use Latinx. Well, you know what? They had a Republican governor for eight years before Sarah Sanders, Asa Hutchinson. That's right. And so and so everything she's saying, well, we got to change it from them. She's saying, you know what? Asa Hutchinson wasn't batshit crazy enough. I'm really the crazy motherfucker and we're going to do it that's the crazy it. way and weak people think that's strength lee it is a great pleasure to see you i'm going to ask you to consider is it assholery or is it asshole dumb i'm more a fan of asshole dumb to tell you the truth i like we asshole dumb but assholery rolls off the tongue a little bit we should we should have we should have begun the hour with this and let people weigh in uh filthy mattress <laughs> on twitter says conservatism is the art of assholery yeah it, it does roll uh yeah. lee what's the yeah. best way for everyone to follow you and keep up with your doings uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Rude Pundit. You can join my Patreon, uh, the patreon.com slash Rude Pundit. I am uh, still blogging, rudepundit.blogspot.com, where you can find the assholery um, uh, <laughs> post. And uh, Instagram, Facebook, the usual Mastodon post, right whatever. Lee, two weeks in a row. We're making this happen. We're making this happen. I know, it's great I having it. you here. Great having All you here right. at What the Fuck O'Clock Show. Have a great evening. If you're on hold, stay there. We'll get your calls in just a moment. This is Progress. Thank you very much. I'm so sorry. We're having some technical problems here at the Love Fest, but we are back now. We are at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. So sorry for these technical glitches. They're happening on my end of the show. We will get it all fixed in just a moment, but we are taking your calls, 866 997 
4748. And that's a good time to welcome Dr. Tracy Pearson to the show because she deserves so much better. Dr. Tracy is a legal analyst, a consultant. You've seen her on TV, radio, podcasts. I fell madly in love with her being on several panels on News Nation. You might have also seen her on Cheddar News, and she's done TV across multiple Fox syndicates, as well as being quoted in everything from the New York Post to Forbes. Dr. Tracy Pearson, it is so great to have you here. Welcome. Thank you very much, John. It's great to be here. And it's always a party. I love it. It's my favorite time of the week. I'm very, very sorry for our technical glitches. We're working them out right now. I promise I'll sound better in just a moment. But I wanted to, I'm glad you're here because we're going to take some calls. But first, I wanted to celebrate with you. I know how great it is to see Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, being put, so, someone who has spread uh, conspiracy theories about 9-11 being put on the Homeland Security Committee. It's It's really a proud moment for our Congress, isn't it, Doctor? It is. And it is going to provide me with just hours of entertainment, given this is a woman who can't pronounce a single word correctly and seems to, you know, I mean, I'm looking forward to hours of gazpacho police. Oh, I love the gazpacho. It's amazing to me because now she got everything she wanted. I mean, this is someone who has lied. This is someone who has been completely insincere. Uh, this is someone who's been as venal as they come, but she made a deal with Kevin McCarthy. She upset a lot of racists for a few weeks, and now she's got it. She's one of the, arguably, arguably the most powerful woman in the entire House of Representatives. Scary though that is, and and it, but it does demonstrate very clearly that we are a government of the people, and she is certainly one of the people out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, seeing Lauren Boebert get committee assignments. I mean, I guess we shouldn't be surprised, but I'll admit, I mean, Paul Gosar put out a video. He shared a video, an anime video of him murdering AOC and of him attacking Joe Biden. I mean, just violence. And he was thrown off the committees for it. He's back on the committee now. And now we get the word that George Santos, uh, America's newest <laughs> sweetheart, is on not one but two committees in this house. Dr. Pearson, I kind of view this as only being a positive. To tell you the truth, as appalling as it is for our national standing and the dignity of the nation, I think the Republican Party should have these people as its figureheads. I would much prefer them known as the party of Donald Trump, Marjorie Green, and George Santos than be known as the party of competent people who can do things that have results. I, I, I think this is exactly how the party is supposed to be going. Absolutely. It is going to be a time for all of us to take notes and for us to remember this come election time. But but also, I think um, that it is it is an opportunity for us to reflect on on culture and 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 media and movies. And Santos in particular is a fascinating figure because, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio played a guy in a movie called Catch Me If You Can. And I think that that Santos, you know, he actually hasn't even done any of the things that Leonardo DiCaprio acted. So, you know, he's fascinating figure because of, of his dishonesty and, and the seemingly knowable facts that people could determine. I mean, I frankly feel as if maybe I've tried too hard in my life. If, if I could achieve that level of a success by not actually doing the things that I've done and working as hard as I have, I mean, I, I feel a little bit foolish. She'll show up and say, I'm the pilot. I can fly this plane. Chris, I sent you some audio earlier. Can we? Do you have that clip? This is at an event uh, in the 2020 election where um, George Santos was going and speaking at right-wing MAGA events around New York, but his name wasn't George Santos. He was Anthony DeVolder. Can we just play a little bit of uh, Anthony DeVolder speaking at a MAGA event? 
Anthony DeVolder. Um, I recently founded a movement called United for Trump on Facebook. Um, our first rally was the rally last Saturday in Fifth Avenue where Brandon and Barbara were in attendance. I'm one of the co-founders for that um, organization. Uh, as a gay man and having always been a Republican, I've always had a lot of controversy around that because I'm pro-life, I'm gay, I'm a Republican, and also, my parents are immigrants, so um, uh, a lot of people would say, wow, you like compiling minorities. God damn it. Yeah, it's, it's a hobby. Um, what I see... Um, okay, that's enough. That's personally, enough. Now, by the way, at, at this point in time, this gay man was married to a woman. We don't know if that was just to somehow get citizenship to someone in the country. But I mean, every day we find out more and more lies this guy is told. Most recently today, we found out that he did a fundraiser to help a vet's dying service dog and pocketed the $3,000 and let the dog die. I mean, it, I don't think, doctor, it's a question of should this man be allowed to have access to national security uh, secrets. Uh, obviously, he should not. I think at this point, we've got to get the narrative going that the Republican Party thinks it's acceptable that this man has access to national security secrets. I don't even think that they think it's acceptable. I think it's that they don't think they don't care if it achieves a goal. If if it facilitates what they want it to do, then that is OK with them. They aren't actually thinking in terms of of uh, ethics or morals or character or just any standards whatsoever. If you can give me what I want, then I'll take it. Oh, my God. It's it's so true. I mean, I don't see him leaving Congress, Dr. Tracy. I, I kind of feel like this is how it is. You know, there's a certain level of guy that just gets away with it. I mean, Matt Schlapp, the Republican political operative and Trump ally, he's be, he's now being sued by the former Herschel Walker campaign staffer that he groped his junk while on the campaign. I mean, this is one of the most famous homophobes in America grabbing a dude's dick. Uh, he's being sued for it. Nothing's going to happen. He's not going to go anywhere. Donald Trump fomented a terrorist attack on our Capitol. It's fine. He's not going to pay any price for it. And I think George Santos is just the latest beneficiary of this new consequence-free Republican life. Because you know, if this guy was a Democrat, they would have rode him out of town on a rail before he could even sign in. And, and I think I'm going to put an interesting twist on this. Because we're trying to carve a, a, you know, a wall, if you will, between sort of what's going on in Congress and what goes on out in the real world. And I get to tell you, in, in employers, large employers across this country, they're going to let people who have power stay in power and they're going to conceal and they're going to manipulate investigations and they're going to not investigate. They're going to do all those same things where you work as opposed to just in Congress. And so what we are seeing is whether it's it's what goes on in real life has made its way into Congress or what we're seeing in Congress has just become part of real life. And that is the thing that's meshed together. We're now not seeing a distinction as if Congress was this great thing that we just held up as being sort of, you know, look, we've got our best people who are smart and ethical and whatever, you know, to a degree. I mean, the politicians, right? Um, <laughs> to a degree. But but in the rest of the world is just a mess or whether the rest of the world is a mess and so are they. And there is no wall there anymore. That's right. I mean, there's no shame. There's no accountability. There's no nothing we call guilt. I mean, it's just there's no consequences. This is what Donald Trump is celebrated. Just get away with it. Get away with it. And, and that's why I, I want to ask you about Darvo. 
as a manipulation technique? Because I know you're much more informed about this than me, but Darbo is, is, you know, I understand it's the reaction that people who've done something wrong, like sexual offenders, might display in response to being held accountable for their behavior. Is Darvo like like gaslighting? Is it a form of narcissism? It's a it's a form of gaslighting. It's a it's a technique where and you'll you'll see this. I, I'm writing about it right now with respect to workplaces where oh. somebody will um, confront somebody with a with with truth. Let's say with, you know, you were doing X to me, please stop. And the response to that is to deny it, then to attack the person. So, for example, you have performance problems. You don't that Mm -hmm. didn't happen. You were having performance problems. And then to reverse victimize that person by saying what you have to understand is that it's my responsibility to do to inform you about these things, to supervise you. Mm -hmm. And so and, and you're preventing me from being able to manage you. And so you'll see that all over the place. Like if callers are listening, then I'm telling you, tell us if that, that actually happens to you, if you've seen it happen, because it is absolutely something that is is prevalent. And it came out of, we saw it with with people who, who engaged in, in sex offenses, that that yes. was their reaction was to deny, attack the victim, and then reverse and say, she's she's making it up. That's and it. and so, so it's been taken and whether it's becomes just so ubiquitous in society it, it's been taken and it's become sort of part of this human consciousness where some employers do it deliberately some set so you'll see it it's just become part of a reaction to when somebody confronts you with with something they don't like or something that not that they don't like but something that that is hurtful um, right. and and it is it is it is automatic now and so i think that one of the things that we ought to be paying attention to is using understanding how that works and being able to identify it when it happens so that you're not so that you're not manipulated by it because it it is recognizing it yeah and recognizing it and realizing you're not again it's deny attack and reverse victim and offender darvo so my first instinct is to think like oh well look at look at the donald trump with the documents that he you know donald trump stole them he lied he tried to get a special master to delay it he tried to to hurt the investigation any way he could he claimed he was a victim and then they found out joe biden took some documents and said oh sorry i hear these aren't mine and did everything right apparently but right away, we see it all across the right. They deny that Trump did anything wrong. They attack Biden instead, and they make Trump out to be the victim and Biden the offender, when in reality, Biden didn't break the law and Trump did. But the more you talk about that, I actually think about how Donald Trump is suing E. Jean Carroll for defamation. I mean, isn't that where, you know, we see the Darbo cases happen all the time? Like they they go after abuse survivors and sue them for defamation. So... The ones who are accused of abuse deny they're guilty while also always claiming any charges against me are false. Like Donald Trump with the 27 plus women who accuse him of doing what he brags on tape he does. Exactly. Or, you know, Republicans who do nothing in Congress, then what they do is they accuse Mayorkas of not doing anything. And that, in fact, they're the real victims because he hasn't done anything. See, that's another version of Darvo. So true. So, I mean, right now we're hearing all this crazy talk that they want to go ahead and go after uh, Secretary Mayorkas because there are people crossing our border, which has always happened. Now, they could go and, you know, arrest all the white people who do all the hiring of jobs and border crossings would stop in about two weeks. But then our economy would collapse and you can't raise money off of a problem being solved. So instead, they're literally going to try to impeach 
impeach the Secretary of Homeland Security because of a human rights catastrophe, because they have no solutions and they have nothing to govern. They have no policies. They have no legislative agenda that I can see. So you're right. It's all just going to be performative governance. And it's going to get even worse because there's this debt limit problem. And so what they want to do is they want to prioritize spending. And if you look at the list of things that they want to stop spending on, it's the border, border control. Of course. They don't mean any of it. They mean none of it. It's all gaslighting. I say all the time, if they cared about undocumented immigration, they would lock up the people like Donald Trump who do the hiring. But they don't. They need those brown bodies crossing the border so they can scare shitty white people. And that's the racket. And that's what's never going to happen. Like, I think they're kicking themselves for finally uh, uh, overturning Roe v. Wade. They're going to have a harder time raising money off of that now. But they're never going to do anything to stop abusing the Christian refugees at our southern border. Well, now they're going after Social Security and Medicare. So that's going to work mm-hmm. out real nicely for them because I, I, my husband said, you know, why are they talking about this? They're crazy. And I said, yes, but they don't have any any abortion issues to talk about anymore, really. That's right. That's They've right. lost it. So now they're down on that second layer of crazy that they're talking about. And, and it's, again, like they're not running to win at the national level. Republicans have lost the popular vote of the American people in seven of the last eight presidential elections. And we learned in 2022 midterms, this doesn't really help you with independents and moderates in a general. Ask Senator Herschel Walker or Senator Dr. Oz or ask Governor Carrie Lake about it. This, these, this stuff is losing issues like like election fraud. So it seems like they're just preaching to the choir still. They're just trying to give the folks at home what the folks at home think they want to hear. And Janet Yellen has told Congress that our government will hit our debt limit this Thursday. The Treasury is going to take extraordinary measures to keep paying creditors who own our bonds, and that should get us through early June. But I mean, what's going to happen, Dr. Tracy? Because I can tell you, Wall Street does not like the idea of playing chicken on this, and they never do. And we might be forced to default on our debt, which could completely shake the global markets around the world. Republicans always do this game of chicken every couple of years, and they always fuck things up, and it's always a loser for them, and then they keep on trying to do it again. It's it, Yeah, it, it is amazing. I know that, that one of the first things that she's not going to do is apparently she's not going to pay retirement in, into retirement accounts for, for the government. So mm-hmm. it, they're going to piss off the government workers. Potentially, I don't know if Congress is included in that or not, if they get to exempt themselves from that somehow, but right. they're going to not pay uh, government workers retirement uh, That's contributions. Right. That includes that includes troops. That includes pensions. Like there's a lot of hardworking people that this is going to hurt. And again, Wall Street does not want to see this happen. Wall Street, of course, are the real donors that they care about. Um, it seems like they're going to do what they always do. The, the Ted crucification of politics. They're going to play chicken as long as they can, scare as many people as they can. And before any real damage is done, they're just going to fold, claim victory, go on Fox News and have Tucker tell them how tough they are. And like, <laughs> we have to go through this train wreck every time. Yes. And and I hope that that, you know, should should they really end up in a draw? I hope that that Biden pulls, you know, a, um, a Jeb Bartlett and and sits in the White House, then makes his little trip up to the, to Congress, then turns around, and walks away and makes them come to him so because funny. this is just utterly ridiculous. Now, speaking of walking out halfway through. Um, and I've seen that happen many times. We have this congressman, uh, Jim Banks, who is running for Senate. OK, that's very important. He's running for Senate. And, and in announcing his Senate run, he put out this little ad and it features this imagery in his ad as he talks about his pledge to keep critical race theory and wokeism 
from being pushed on our troops. Now, this is funny for many, many reasons. I don't know what woke things the military has done. That the, the Marines have banned the Confederate flag, which sounds great. That's a white supremacist symbol of an enemy nation. Um, but the, I just found out the funniest thing about his, this video where he talks about wokeism being pushed on our troops. It's actually iStock video of actors from Estonia playing American troops. The video itself is a lie. Um, but Tracy, this is all about, this is all that they have to do now. He, he said, this Congress, I will create the first ever anti-woke caucus. Woke is a term anti-racist made up to describe becoming more anti-racist and opposing racism. And now it's been weaponized by the racists to belittle and mock anti-racism. I have never heard a non-racist person use woke as a slur. I, I have to tell you that the word woke kills me because you you want us to be asleep is what you're saying just yes. like when somebody says you know you're overly sensitive so what you're saying is that you'd like me to be insensitive like you are and so i guess you know my whole thing these days is look at what they're saying and what they're not saying don't try to debate the argument per se but listen to the way it's being conveyed and then attack it because you want me to not be woke what's the opposite of woke you want me to be asleep so that you can yeah. do whatever the heck you want i mean when we talk about exactly when we talk about the military i'm sitting here going okay so what did we do we desegregated Uh, i guess that was bad um we (laughs) let women be in combat all right we got rid of that that you know don't ask don't tell thing okay i guess that was bad i mean i'm wondering what they are teaching in basic training if anybody knows because I, i that he's like i'm going to rid the military of this, what, what are they teaching in basic training? I won't well, go, but what are they teaching? But, but here's where we have to know. He, he, he doesn't mean it. He doesn't mean anything. Woke is a word shitty white politicians and shitty white media figures use to make racists feel like they've been seen. Mocking woke is giving racists some wiggle room. That's all it is. You're, atta- you're literally attacking the concept of anti-racism. And do you think that he came up with that? No. The the thing that really worries me is who were the people that came up with that strategy for him and put that together? Those are the people I want to get to. I want to understand them. Are those the college kids that that are members of the, you know, the college Republicans that are working as interns for him? Who the heck is coming up with this stuff for him? I mean, it's the culture. This is what's feeding it. They have nothing, right? And every generation, this is what gets me crazy, doctor. We have to take a break. But every every generation finds a new way to belittle kindness and empathy. These so-called Christians will find a way to smear you for actually trying to act Christian. When I was a kid, it was bleeding heart liberals. And I used to be like, bleeding heart? Like like Jesus? Because you care so much? You're, you're mocking that? And then it was political correct, politically correct. And all that was, was, hey, let's let's not be dicks with language. Let's be less dickish with the language we use. And then it was social justice warrior, uh, snowflake, virtue signaling, like Jesus with the virtue signaling on the mount. And now it's just woke. And every generation finds a new way to smear kindness itself. It's right there. And you know what? It works. It works. They have now got a new little code word. The same way they hate anti-fascism, but can't admit they're fascist. They hate anti-racism and can't admit you know the rest. (laughs) Exactly. Absolutely. I totally agree. This is Sirius XM. I'm John Fugelsang. Peace. Peace.